Welcome. This is episode three of the EDMS podcast. I get tired of life. What a world I'm living in. Now I've got it all. But let enough I'm giving in. The sun is shining, melting the clouds away. Got me some blue sky action. I'm breathing. The sun is shining, melting the clouds away. I'm gonna go out smiling. Welcome to episode three of the EDM is podcast. I am your host, JT Fails, and I am here this week with my friend, Matt Bessie. Some listeners may know me as the vice president of Bristol University DJ Society, and I <laughs> estimate zero of you will, but uh, that was me for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you <laughs> the vice president of the Bristol University DJ Club. <laughs> I love you, Matt. What? Excellent. This week, our subject is 2015. We are coming to the end of the year. Uh, as always, it was an exciting year in EDM, and there's a lot to talk about. So I figured we'd just have an episode looking back over the year that has been. But first, we are going to talk about the song we came in on, which was the logistics remix of Above and Beyond's Blue Sky Action. Uh, and I chose that song because I've been listening to it a lot this year. For some reason, it's just been sticking in my mind, and I keep coming back to it again and again. Uh, and I actually think that's the best version of the song, period. Uh, I don't think you can beat the original of that track. I think it's a fantastic trance tune. Really? I think the original <laughs> the original's so poppy. It's, like, so radio-oriented. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to take away from poppiness because you know i'm a big fan of pop music as well a lot of people are i think that's the primary definition and, of and it. rightfully so uh <laughs> but i think i really like just the way logistics played with it and sped up the vocals in that weird modulated way um mm-hmm. and i just like it's it's just got like this whole airy ethereal vibe to it that just i don't know for for me it just makes it really interesting and worth listening to again and again whereas the original blue sky action i'm just i don't know it's it's boring to me <laughs> Meg, yeah. that's offended you like logistics i love logistics You're uh, a big his, fan. yeah the, the most recent you know shoot poly poly oh cracky what's the name of that, <laughs> that last album uh <laughs> definitely polyphonics something like that definitely uh got the word poly in it uh, that's just <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, just a terrific album that I weirdly can't remember the name of. <laughs> but Polyphony, mean? there you go. Polyphony, yeah, I, there you go. I've just realized, you know when you listen to an album uh, in seclusion in, in, a, in uh, great amounts, 
you never say the word of it, the name of it out loud. And so the first time you, you try and use the word in a, in a casual setting, you find yourself realizing you don't know how to say it. And that polyphony well, is my word. Yeah, you, you said it and in my mind. It was like, is that, is that it? Is it poly, polyphony? But yeah, is it polyphony? Poly, polyphony or? even? <laughs> Poly, polyphony. We'll we'll have to we'll have to get him on the line. Call call the hospital <laughs> telephone. Yeah, next uh, next next episode maybe. Yeah. Okay. So Matt, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. All right. I'm good at that. You are from uh, are from the UK, as as hopefully people can tell by your incredibly attractive British accent. I was going to go British with dashing. Oh, what don't, was that? Don't, don't belittle mine. I mean, some British accents. <laughs> this one in particular, perhaps. Uh, well, that's true. That's true. Where Where are you from, Matt? I was I was born in London. Um, born in London, moved around quite a lot within the UK. Uh, so I've got a bit of a blend of uh, north, north, south, east, west accents. Um, but spent most of my life in London and Bristol. Okay. And when did you come to the US? That would be uh, two years ago now, I guess. Um, I was here on an internship, and then I went. There's a lot more sun in California than there is in uh, in anywhere in the UK, so I decided that I would stay out here for a bit. I think that was a yeah. wise decision. I think so too. Uh, and and that is where you are now. Uh, I should mention I have recently relocated from San Francisco, which is where Matt is right now and is speaking <laughs> to us from. Oh, Matt's crying. Uh, to Austin, Texas. Uh, so I'm just getting my legs set up here and that's actually why uh uh there haven't been any uh any recent episodes of the podcast and the blog's gone a little stale because i've had a few other things on my mind but anyway i wanted to mention that you also review music it's been a while i'll be honest since uh since i i uh, contributed to our mine and Lindsay cheeksbury uh blog on music that we enjoy but i keep an eye on it uh, okay well, I, I, I just wanted to point out that you do, uh, you think very critically about music in a way that I appreciate, so I thought you'd be a really fun and interesting guest to have on board. Thank you. So, uh, let's talk about 2015. Yeah, let's. So I've compiled like a list of things which uh, I've already run by you that I think were fairly big stories in 2015 uh, that I think are worth talking about, and... For me, one of the big surprises of the year was Jack Yu. And maybe that shouldn't have been a surprise because uh, Skrillex, who's one half of Jack Yu, along with Diplo, uh, is just constantly pushing things forward. I mean, the man essentially started the EDM explosion in America. And since then, he hasn't settled on his sound. He just keeps pushing it into, into realms where it's still always a little bit unfamiliar and therefore a little bit interesting and challenging to people. And I think he really doubled down on that with Jack Yu, you know, Ian Diplo, who's, who I actually didn't know very much of at all before Jack Yu. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm the same as you. I, I didn't, other than his work in Major Lazer, I didn't know Diplo as an independent producer at all. Um, right. So, but now, I now know him as the... the the powerhouse that is Diplo, so he did That's pretty right. well for himself this year. That's right. Did you see he just won an award? An, I, I'm award in air quotes here. Uh, from Shazam, he was the most Shazamed artist. Yeah, of yeah. The year. I think he said about this award. I guess this means I'm the best known unknown artist of <laughs> 2015. 
2015. Yeah, the best, the best unintentional ghost producer of 2015. <laughs> like, no, I'm not a ghost. It does have my name on it, just not, not right. the name you know. It's not necessarily that his music was the best. It was just that the most people were like, who, who is this? Yeah. Who is this right now? Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't mean it's most played. It's just most, what? Right. Let's go back to let's go back to Jack U. What are your uh, what are your general thoughts yes. on this uh, duo? So it, it sounds like I had much the same uh, transition from 2014 thoughts on them to 2015. Like when they played some really big festival last year before they had an album out, when they just released or not even released, but they were playing their first single off of the Jack U album. I saw them. I saw them. Uh, doing their DJ set there and watch the watch the whole thing. It was super pumped, like, that, of course, Skrillex and Diplo were going to get the crowd moving. But I was mainly just like, this just seems like Skrillex and Diplo going back-to-back, spinning their own tunes for, for, like, an hour and a half. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, this, I, don't, I don't get it. And then the album came out in 2015, and suddenly, wow, I, it was like an hour of fantastic productions. You have that, that Beaver song that... I really liked, and and I I kind of avoided the the two weeks that the EDM community seemed to go through, or maybe two months of oh my god, I like this track, but it has someone I'm not allowed to like on it because I <laughs> kind of skipped skipped the judgmental phase and was just right. like, all right, I'll accept accept what my ears are telling me. Yeah, I think the concert you may be talking about was their Madison Square Garden gig. It was New Year's Eve. Hmm, maybe I saw them later than that, because it, it definitely wasn't indoors, it was a festival. But, oh, okay. Uh, maybe what you're thinking of is Ultra this year. Mm, Skrillex was boom. the headliner closing set, and he kind of did, like, for the first half of it, he did, like, Skrill's greatest hits, and then there was this great moment of transition where he played uh, his mashup with uh, Diplo, which is uh, Cinema and Get Free, mm-hmm. which is really great. And as, as that's coming in, Diplo comes out on stage, and all of a sudden it turns into a Jack U concert. And you might remember that's when they pulled out P. Diddy, or, or Diddy, or Puff Daddy, or Sean Combs, or whatever he's going by now. I did not know that P. Diddy and Puff Daddy are the same person. You, you you've, changed, you've changed my world. Well, uh, 1999. <laughs> <laughs> well. But that's when they brought out Justin Bieber. Uh, and this was his first time dancing in front of an EDM crowd. And that's when I think you started to get this real clash of cultures here between, right. you know, the, the tweeny, the tweeny boppers who love Justin Bieber and, you know, the, the bass heads, <laughs> the bass heads who just, you know, automatically reject Justin Bieber because he's Justin Bieber. Careful. You say Bieber enough times and someone's Twitter filter is going to go off and, the reign of terror will come down on you. That's true. That's true. For a second, I thought you were going to say, though, that you say Bieber enough times and he just pops up next to you <laughs> on, on his little hoverboard, just like rolling around your apartment. Bieber juice. Bieber juice. Bieber juice. <laughs> <laughs> Can that be his next album name? <laughs> Isn't that the name of his cologne? 
<laughs> Jeez, is that true? No, it's made Oh, that's so plausible. <laughs> I need to get into marketing. <laughs> but I have to say, like in terms of in terms of that collaboration, it really should be celebrated when people are actively trying to expand beyond the narrow genres that they have grown up in and try to create something new. Absolutely. And so I think it's, I thought that was like a really exciting collaboration. Um, and and it was cool. And yeah, I mean, Justin Bieber's a douche, but like, so is Dead Mouse. Yeah. You know, I, I do my best to separate the person's actual likability from their musical productions. I think I, that there'd be a lot less music that you could listen to if you had to like the producer as well as <laughs> as well as like the music. Yeah. All right. So, who, in your point of view, were the breakout artists of 2015? Hmm. It was Porter Robinson's Worlds. That was late 2014, wasn't it? That wasn't 2015. Yeah, I believe that was last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay, then in, in that case, I think one of one of my breakout artists this year uh, has to be, I, I guess this guy had, had existed in a pretty big way before this year, but this was, to my knowledge, his first uh, studio album that that had a nice flow to it, and you could really listen to as as uh, you know a thirteen or whatever track um, experience, and not just a bunch of uh, good club tracks. And that would be uh, Madian. Mm. I think I think his. I'm really hoping that his album came out this year. Yeah. It did. It did. Definitely did. Cool. That album is just. Uh, I shouldn't. What's the, what's the what's the album called? Adventure. Right. Man, I need to listen to that again. But yeah, Adventure was um, was a superb album for me and that you could really just listen to it start to finish and it had a great flow to it. Very optimistic, but like the happy, happy tracks that aren't just happy because of the lyrics, but the actual sound is upbeat, almost like chiptune-esque, like uh, old school video game soundtracks, uh, especially, is it okay? That has that. I think it's okay. It has that vibe of a uh, almost an N64 backing track for like Super Mario or something. Um, so that that album was a very big deal for me. Uh, nice. Did you see his show when he rolled through town? I did not, sadly. Well, I, I saw his uh, adventure tour in San Francisco this year, and uh, EDC aside, that was far and away the best performance I saw all year. Nice. It was enthralling. I mean, I'm, I'm such a sucker for live shows, for for the, you know, the visual extravagance. Um, you know, one of my introductions to dance music was Daft Punk's Alive 2007, and mm. that, that set, you know, the physical structure of the set uh, just burned itself into my memory as, like, this is, this is what you can do with technology, right? Right. And that's, that's a standard to me. That's a high bar. And so, you know, I want to see live shows that approach or exceed that bar. And Madeon's show absolutely did that. It was just a really, really uh, enthralling and creative use of all of these structures on stage. Uh, so I would definitely recommend, I think he's on tour again right now, actually, uh, so if he comes through San Francisco, definitely, definitely check him out. I will um, do. I didn't actually know his, uh, his visuals, uh, interesting or it's, so good. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that he had a, 
had a visual game on point. I thought it was oh, all just totally. uh, music production. Cool. No, totally. And uh, it, it, I think a lot of people were comparing it to the World's Tour mm-hmm. because that also is very high visual production. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's better than the World's Tour. Wow. I was blown away by the World's uh, visuals as well. So. I thought the World's Tour was really interesting from an artistic expression standpoint, but as a dance show, I think it's lacking, at least the show I saw. Um, like, there's a lot of, like, sit back in a chair and appreciate this, and, you know, that's cool, and it has its place, but uh, if I want to go dance, Madeon is just, like, all dance the whole way through, just insane grooves, and just, like, such great build-ups, and uh, so powerful. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on the World Store on that front. I, I loved it, but most of the people that I went to see it with were, like, not as high energy as I was as I was hoping for. So it's interesting to me that Maddie managed to, yeah, pair incredible visuals with continual pumping music. I wouldn't have thought that would that would be be an easy task. So I'll, I'll totally. take a Yeah. Who else? Uh, who else really stood out to you this year? So yeah, I was having a think about uh, while you were talking about the other ones, and I, there's one that stands out for me a lot: uh, Lane Eight with uh, mm. the Rise album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I certainly had never really heard of Lane Eight prior to in the run up to this album. There was a, a lot of promo on uh, the ABGT podcast with either previous singles or singles uh, from the, that would would be from this album. But that's definitely an album that I've had on repeat a bunch of times, just because it it's got a great variety of. One of the problems I have with uh, I, I guess it's not really deep house, but. When I listen to Deep House a lot, it can be, it's often club tracks, so it's, you know, seven, seven, eight minute tracks, and the, the first one, the first one or two minutes and the last one or two minutes are, are just for DJ's use. Right. People don't really explore production because they're like, well, don't, this isn't going to get heard. So <laughs> Yeah, they're just totally, yeah, that's right. so true. Yeah, so, so I'm sure there are club mixes of the singles, but the, the album is perfectly listen, listenable as a as a studio album. It, it's The tracks are like four or five minutes each, and they, they yeah, there's no, there's no boring bit at the start. As soon as, as soon as the track starts, some of them open with vocals, which is interesting. A lot of them have vocals. Uh, only like three or four tracks on the album don't have a vocalist on them, and they, there's a wide variety as well. Uh, there's one one track in particular uh, called Ghost. As some, I mean, I don't know any of the the uh, vocalists on this album to be honest, but this guy's called Patrick Baker. It's the only song he's on, and he has this really interesting um, deep voice that sounds. It kind of sounds a bit like uh, Jermaine in Flight of the Concords, if you've ever, okay. but without any like uh, New Zealand twang. He just has that dry slow voice and it's really interesting to listen to over a deep house track he's very chill and late and and uh slow with his enunciation of words and it it nice it's unique i love i love unique music even if it's cool. of questionable quality but this certainly isn't this album is an hour of of high quality music that's a good good recommendation cool uh, I think for for me, the probably the breakout artists of the year are um, Alex Klingel on Enhanced. Mm-hmm. 
enhanced recordings. Uh, he's come out with a few songs, uh, which I've actually highlighted in in the last podcast. I think we went came in on an Alex Klingel song that uh, I mentioned sounds like to me a remake of Strangers by Mind and Chain Fifty Four. And uh, anyway, Alex Klingel, uh, I really really love his productions. They're just like really great progressive house trance, great production quality. And I, I've just been uh, impressed with him. So he's pretty new on the scene. And who else really stood out? Jason Andel. Uh, J-A-Y-E-S-O-N, I think. Andel, uh, also on Enhanced Recordings, uh, dropped an album this year called Urban Monks. And Jason Andel is like trip-hop, kind of? He's like this weird, uh, like... Uh, Progressive house inflected trip hop. Uh, Progressive house inflected trip hop. Okay. It's like it's like you know I, I hesitate to even call it trip hop, but I think that's where that's where the beat is most grounded in that genre. Like there's definitely one song that makes me think very much of Pretty Lights for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know the rest of the, the rest of the album is just like really really great stunning grooves, but also really evocative uh, songs that, are, like to my mind, are very cinematic. I think the one that got the most airplay uh, on on the podcast uh, circuit was "Follow the Firefly Lanterns." I don't really know what to say about that one other than it's it's just stunning. It's a really great production. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, cute name for a track. Yeah, it is. It is a cute name. He's got really good names for his tracks, actually. Like the like one of them uh, is called "Oil in the Veins," and like you listen to it and you're like, "Wow, this does sound like oil in your veins." <laughs> Not that drum and bass gets many albums in a year, but um, right, "City of Gold" by the Prototypes came out this year, and that was uh, my my drum and bass album of the year. Okay. Um, there's it's certainly uh, I wouldn't say like every track is gold. But uh there's so to speak. There's a few hey <laughs> I'm accidentally pumped. Uh there's a few tracks on it that really stand out. Um bizarrely there's a really um beautifully sad track at the the last track on or sorry, the, the last track on the uh non-bonus version of the album there's a couple of extras on the like itunes bonus or whatever but uh, the last track on the non-bonus one is called slip away And it has a very unusual structure for a drum and bass song. Uh, it doesn't have two drops. It has just the one, and it comes very late. There's a huge build-up in terms of uh, time and more like a trance build-up, where it's not just like, oh my god, this is going to go in so hard, so much as a really slow, long build-up that makes for a really euphoric break. And in that build-up, it has this great uh, set of lyrics that are, are just like, talking as if as if the singer is talking to someone who's about to die and it, and it's like saying well well it's okay slip away we'll like meet you on the other side kind of thing and it's like beautiful but really sad at the same time 
and not something you'd associate with a drum and bass album in any method. That's awesome. I'm going to have to give that one another spin. All right, well, anything else you want to talk about or, like, predictions for 2016 or something? Yeah, let's play the let's play the what genre is it going to be big next year game. Yeah, because my my top genre for this year that I I think people are calling future bass, where it's like this down tempo kind of the low end of trap tempo, but the production is really different. It's got very little in the way of eight oh eight hip hoppy influences. It just happens to have the right tempo, but it's more trance-like in its in its synths uh, and uplifting. I think that that it's a great sound because it's very accessible. You can do more more vocal mixes and more radio stuff, and it seems to be getting pretty big at the moment. Uh, I think that's going to take off next year. That's my prediction. Future bass. Mm-hmm. Cool. So with with that being said, as what what are your your predictions for twenty sixteen? Right, I'm trying to I'm trying to reach for something. I'm trying to do some uh, well, I critical mean, critical could, thinking. It here. could be that nothing changes, right? You know, it could just be another year of of trance, big room house, and trance. I mean, that's totally possible. I think last year the big prediction was that tropical house was gonna like explode this year, and it certainly did become big. Uh, like like Justin Bieber had a couple trap house, mm-hmm. and I mean talking about mainstream radio. There you go. Yeah, Kygo. He had a couple. Everywhere. Yeah, he had a couple trap house songs produced by Skrillex, actually, um, and you know it was all over commercials and everything. So it, it was fairly big, actually. I, um, I think the problem with that genre for for long term success is is summer music, right? Tropical, yeah. ha- tropical house. It's almost in the name. Tropical house doesn't right. sound right when it's like. Cold as balls. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't have panpipes when, like, the air is freezing over the panpipes. It doesn't <laughs> work. There's snowflakes in my panpipes. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I have realized that I do have predictions about what's going to happen in 2016 and beyond. And they're not genre predictions. But here's the thing. I actually think we've reached this point. I think we're past the point of peak EDM mania. I think there is some serious diversity going on within this community and in this culture right now, and you're just getting subgenres of subgenres. And people are starting to find the genres within EDM, within electronic music, that really resonate with them the most and find communities around exactly uh, what they're into. You think of television, and when television first came online in the U.S., I think you had three channels, mm-hmm. right? And each of those channels had millions of viewers, and you don't have that today. You know, you had, like, 48 million viewers for, like, a really well, like, tuned-in TV show in, like, 1950. And now if you get, like, a million, it's a crazy big deal. And that's because you've seen this explosion of channels and of content that people can tune into so you have fewer people tuning into the one big thing while they find whatever interests them more. So I think you're seeing that sort of continued diversity in the scene. Right. You've got more choice. So it makes less sense to have these these uh, almost musical expo festivals where you have like every genre covered because exactly you don't need it. You've got so many genres. Everyone can go to their own, their own things. 
their own festivals. Exactly. Thank you for summing that up in a way I was struggling to. I hope I almost hope that it doesn't get too far though. You know, I I like the the EDC variety and genres. Global Gathering in the UK is another and I think it has a few other ones around the world too. It's another festival where you've got like one tent for every medium to large uh dance music genre from deep house to drum and bass to side trance to trance. Uh, I, I like that format because we want more people in our crews. We want to be able to go to you know, raves with with more than two or three people. We want to we want a crew, and I don't think you can have that without having a good way of welcoming new people into the scene. And the the EDCs and the global gatherings of this world, they they're the perfect thing for it. I think you're right, and I think what comes along with that uh, bigger house, bigger tent, uh, and that increased diversity of musical styles is that you'll attract more people who maybe you know don't want to hear Tiesto's big room stuff but like are actually really turned on by like you know avg's like country music fusion or you know whatever it is maybe uh maybe that's uh welcoming in even more people is what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so that's my that's my prediction all right we'll see we'll have to see we'll have to do a recap episode yeah next next year december 2015 or 2016 rather that's right see you there all right well uh well, thanks for thanks for being on the episode. This was a really fun, great conversation. So it was uh, it was a pleasure. Yeah, glad you came on board. How can people find you or your uh, semi-secret blog here? So I I don't really exist much on on Twitter myself. I mainly just browse uh, other artists stuff. But I do run with a lot of help. In fact, arguably, I'd give a little help to my friend Lindsay, who runs uh, our base buddies. Uh, Tumblr blog, basebuddies.tumblr.com. That's uh, base buddies with no spaces or things. And we pretty much just post uh, tunes that, that we're digging at the moment. Uh, there's uh, some, some Jemba Jemba, some B traits I see uh, lately. Some, in fact, a drum and bass remix of uh, Take You There by Andy C, two artists we've been talking about. In this show, there you go. nice little wrap up there. Up. So yeah, there's there's uh, <laughs> a bunch of bunch of good lessons that you might might want to check out over there. Yeah, but that's that's cool, me. Cool. All right, and uh, for my part, you can follow the blog at theedmist.co. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at theedmist or on Snapchat at also theedmist. So all right, Matt. You get to pick the song we're going out on and uh, tell us a little bit about why you've chosen it and uh, what it what it does for you. Absolutely. So my, over the course of this episode, I've wanted to change it like three times from what we've been talking about, <laughs> but I've, I've settled on uh, a track by Troy Boy, who is a arguably trap artist in from London, uh, or at least he lives in London now. I think he's from London originally too. And uh, we were talking a lot about the direction traps evolved in and the fact that it's not quite as as dull as it used to be, at least on, on the fringe, on the, the tastemaker's side of things. And this track, Do You, by Troy Boy, which uh, blew up, uh, I guess it must have been like six months ago or now, or, or so now, uh, I first came across from a Diplo and Friends podcast on Radio 1, as it happens. Uh, Troy Boy did a, a guest mix of an hour and he opened with this track. And it's just... It's just terrific. It's uh, it has a really weird, uh, almost like 
weird in the same way as Take You There's uh, drop. It has a weird percussion to it that it's not about bass lines. It's all strange percussion. Very, sounds like it's falling over itself kind of music, like tripping up, but is definitely in the, the hip-hop range. I could see maybe a London grime artist rapping over it, so it's, it's got a hip-hop vibe, but it's very unique. It's a track that I don't think... I don't think this sound will be familiar to many listeners. It certainly wasn't to me. I was like, wow, I've never heard this this production style before. So yeah. Yeah, I'm really I'm really excited to hear it from that description. Do you love me? 